Good morning. I want to greet each of you in Jesus' name this morning. It's good to be back with you again. The message this morning, the Lord laid on my heart some months ago, and uh, it actually has inspired a series of messages that I'm preaching at Bank. And uh, the title of that that series is Get Real. And um, I have not preached this message there yet. So it's one that I started preparing in preparation to to share it there. But uh, I wanted to share it here. And partly because as I came to this congregation 10 plus years ago, and as I was here... I observe this in your lives, and I want. So I hope this morning's message can be an encouragement to you. The title of the message this morning is "Get Real with God." The series has been an attempt to bring together truth and reality. You know, we live in reality. We know that we are here. We know that we exist. That is a reality. The things we experience are a reality. Does truth have bearing on reality? Reality is that which exists. And our lives exist. The first message that I preached in this series was about the nature of truth. And about how truth and reality are the same thing. The second message was about the existence of truth, God's word. And this message is about knowing the truth. One of the phone team members likes to ask callers, where are you with God? Where are you with God? I'm asking, I'd like to ask you that this morning. Where are you with God this morning? Do you know the truth? He's not talking about an intellectual concept. He's talking about an intimate knowing when he asks that question. And Almighty God, Malachi 3.6, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. That word Lord there is Yehovah, the eternal self-existent one. God is true. He is unchanging. He is self-existent. He is an eternal reality. The very essence of truth. The question is not about where or who God is. It is the question is about where are we in relation to this God. Where am I and where are you? James 4, 8 says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. We've been given a capacity. We've been given a capacity to hold God at arm's length. To hold him at bay and to say, I don't want you. He gave us that choice with his creation. And he continues to give us that choice. But along with that choice, he's given us the truth, his word, by which we can come to know who he is and what he is like, fully revealed in his son. 
and the choice that we have as individuals about what we do with that truth holds our eternal destiny in its hands. I'd like to look at a parable Jesus told this morning. You'll find it in Luke chapter 8. And it's the parable of the four soils. Now, we think about this parable, and I don't know what comes to your mind when you think about the parable of the four soils. But this parable is not really so much about the spread of God's word. God's word is spread. It has been spread. This parable is about how we relate to truth. How we relate to God's word as people. Like start reading at verse 4. And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down. And the fowls of the air devoured it, and some fell upon a rock. And as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit and hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this, The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they, which when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they, which when they have heard, go forth, and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. But on, the, but on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. I'm going to stop reading there. And I was thinking as Robert was sharing the devotional this morning how that devotional was, was laying a groundwork, or maybe part of. If he'd have kept preaching, then I wouldn't have needed to preach. Uh, and the Sunday school lesson about false prophets... You know, when you think about the responsibility that we have to share God's word with others, it's a sobering responsibility. You sit in a class like we had in the men's class this morning, it makes it hard to follow because there's a responsibility there that we share God's word. But God said with the foolishness of preaching, people would hear his word. The seed, verse 11, is the word of God. John 17, 17, Jesus said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The truth of God's word. The seed, a seed reproduces after its kind. New life comes forth from that seed when it falls to the ground and and dies and sprouts and new life comes out of that and it produces after its kind. It's God's desire that His Word would be reproduced in the life of the believer. 
Is your life reproducing the word of God? How would Jesus describe the soil of your heart this morning? Think about that. Consider that. And if he would describe it, do you really want to know the truth? Do you really want to know how he would describe it? I think that's a question we need to seriously ask ourselves. Ravi Zacharias says that he believes that many of us have the assumption that people really want to know the truth. But he wonders if that assumption is true. He says oftentimes we have an ideological conclusion that we have already come to. And we want to take the events of life and take the things of life and take the things that we learn and we want to bend them to, to meet that conclusion that we have already come to. But in G.K. Chesterton, Chesterton's words, I find something very interesting. He says this, Truth, of course, must of necessity be stranger than fiction. For we have made fiction to suit ourselves. You see, that which is fictitious, we can make to suit ourselves. We can bring the ending of the story to what we want it to be. But truth is not like that. Truth does not change for us. We must conform to the truth if we would experience the blessings of truth. Are we in our own way writing our own fiction in our lives, with our lives? Do we have an end conclusion that we want to come to? And so we're bending the realities of life and the meaning of the realities of life to match that conclusion. Are we conforming our lives to the truth? Jesus places the prerequisite of knowing the truth on the condition of the human heart. The prerequisite of knowing truth on the condition of the human heart. Verse 15 in the text that we read. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart bring forth fruit. In John 18 verse 17 in the great discussion that Jesus had with Pilate on the issue of truth. Pilate therefore saith unto him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause was I born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. And you know how that verse finishes? Everyone who is of the truth heareth my voice. It is those who are of the truth who hear the words of Jesus. John five thirty seven. Jesus in a discussion with the Jews said, And the Father himself, which hath sent me, hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. Now those men knew the Old Testament. They knew the words of the prophets. Why had they not heard God's voice? It's because of the condition of their hearts that they had not heard his voice. It's because the conditions of their hearts that they had not understood the words of Jesus. 
in John 8.30, and you might want to turn there. This is a longer passage, and it's a lot in it. John chapter 8, beginning at verse 30. And Jesus spake these words, as Jesus, sorry, as he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Now I want to stop there for just a minute, and I want us to think about what he's saying. It's very similar to what he said in John 15 about abiding in the vine. If ye continue in my word, there is a continuing relationship of the word in the life of those who believe. It must be a continuing relationship there. And what will be the result of that continued relationship? And ye shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And then they responded. They answered him, We, are, we be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen of your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If, he, if ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man who hath, that hath told you the truth, that which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. They said unto him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, ye would love me. For I proceed forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because ye cannot hear my word. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. You see how it always comes back. It comes back to who they are. It comes back to the person that they are. It keeps coming back to that. They cannot hear. Why? Because of who they are. They're of their father, the devil. That's why they can't hear. Who can hear? He who is of God. He is the one who can hear. If we want to hear the words of God, we're going to have to be honest with our hearts about who we are. Who are you? Are you of God? We need to be honest about that. It is out of an honest and good heart that we bring forth fruit. If we don't have an honest and good heart, we can't even hear the words of God. says that very clearly in verse 43. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you can't hear my words. 
Jesus te- in Jesus' teaching, actions are always presupposed of heart content. They're, the actions are a result of what happens in the heart. Out of the content of the heart comes. Out of the content of the heart comes evil thoughts. Out of the content of the heart comes actions, speech. The heart is a motivator. The inner part of who we are. Romans 10.10 For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You see there's a joining together here. The heart is believing, and the actions, the words are confessing. There must be a connection between those two. We cannot divorce the heart and the action. I bring those things to you this morning because I want you to honestly evaluate your own heart this morning. It's easy for us to look around and see what others are doing, but we need to be honest with ourselves about where we are with God on a continual basis if we would bear fruit. We need to be authentic before Him. And we need to evaluate not only our hearts, but also our actions as a window into where our heart is, what the condition of our heart is. Now, if you want to turn back to Luke 18, that's the majority of the scriptures we'll be looking at this morning. I'm sorry, Luke 8. Did I just say 18? Luke 8. I want to look at these four soils individually. And the first soil was found in verse 5. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And then Jesus' description of that in verse 12. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their heart, lest they should believe and be saved. Now I want you to consider how did the devil get access? How did the birds get access to the seed? The seed was lost to the soil because of the birds. But the birds had to get access to that seed. How did they get access? It was because the ground was hardened. The ground had been trodden. The ground had been stepped on and hardened. The surface of the ground was hard, and the seed was not able to penetrate the ground. As a result of that, the birds came and plucked it up. I'd like to think about that in relation to our hearts this morning. Have our hearts gone through a hardening process? Is your heart in a hardened condition this morning? Are there areas in your life that you're holding back from God because the sacrifice would be too great? It would cost you too much of your money. It would cost you too much of your reputation, of your time, of your personal freedom, or your pleasure, or 
whatever, your, whatever the Holy Spirit fills in. And as a result of that hardening, you're pushing away what the Word of God has to say about that area of your life. You see, we can get James 4, verse 7 in reverse, where it says, submit to God, resist the devil. We can resist God and submit to the devil and submit to him coming in and and getting that seed and, and snatching that word away from us. So I think we need to evaluate both our hearts and our actions in relation to this hardening process. And what we're doing with God's word, are we allowing it to soak in or are there... Areas where we just want to push God's word away. I spoke with a, with a man who wrote a book uh, on the kingdom teachings of Jesus. And um, he fo- his focus was the teachings of Jesus that were often ignored by Christians. And he said that he got a lot of negative feedback about that book on one specific issue from conservative Christian people. Now, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think about that, but it was wealth. It was on the teaching, it was on the teaching of Jesus about wealth, and they wanted to substitute that. The people that came to him wanted to substitute that teaching in his book with other teachings, the veiling, the I thought I had or something else. Nonconformity. Those were, things that, those were things that they thought would have been better things to, to put in this book, teachings that were ignored. Um, but I think that speaks, that can speak to us if we really stop and think about it. You know, it's easy for us to want to hear the things that are good or that we're good at, that are easy for us to do within our culture. That's what we want to hear about. But the things that are difficult, the things that are hard, do we really want to hear that truth? Are we pushing God away? Or maybe it's because of contamination. Uh, a couple years ago, I converted a pasture field over to soybeans. And uh, we killed the grass down and planted the soybeans. And they came up beautiful. Nice stand of soybeans. But when they were about that tall and really starting to be able to be visible, I could look out of the house window and there were two patches of ground that soybeans weren't coming up in. And I was like, what is wrong? What is going on over there? I went over there and looked. The ground looked beautiful. It looked just like the, there was no difference in the ground around it that I could see. And then I remembered there were two big patches of thistles there. And I sprayed them with a product called Cimarron. And Cimarron has a residual that will not allow soybeans to grow. And those patches did not grow because of the contamination of the soil. Everything looked the same on the outside. And it's not quite like the hardening process, but it, it, but it can be a hardening process if, if we allow false teachers, if we allow false teachings into our lives, if we allow things to come into our lives that cause us to disregard aspects of God's word or to push it away and say, oh, this, this over here trumps that because that's harder than what this is and so I'm going to take this and I'm going to leave that out you see that's contamination 
And that gives Satan the opportunity to come in and, and pull that truth, pull that word away from you. And brothers and sisters, if the word's not there, it's not going to be able to bring forth fruit. There isn't going to be any fruit where there's no seed. Verse 43 there from John chapter 8 said, Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? There's been a hardening process that has happened that is keeping that heart from receiving the words of Christ. Maybe there can be other issues in our hearts that are causing us to resist things. And um, these are not what I was talking about before. Those are issues directly related to the truth. Now, these are maybe things that are indirectly related to the truth, but no less can be things that are coming out of our heart. And uh, so I'm going to think about them a little bit. A couple years ago, and it's been quite a few years ago, actually, um, I was... uh, going to help with a boys club um, picnic. We are going to have a boys club picnic. And it was an evening we were going to play soccer and do fun things. And You know, the church asks us for um, that type of activities, for outreach activities, to wear sleeves that are well below the elbow or long sleeves. And, um, you know, I I went to my closet there that evening, and, and I just, I felt some resistance. I was like, you know, this logically really doesn't make a lot of sense for this activity. And, and, and I stood at my closet door. I remember distinctly standing at my closet door and looking in there. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and it said, it is just as easy for you to put on a long sleeve shirt as a short sleeve shirt. And I recognized that truth. You know, that's not something that's directly related to the truth. And yet, those who are in spiritual authority of me were asking me to do something. What was in my heart that was causing resistance? You see, the resistance wasn't the act. The act was easy enough to do. Easy enough one way or the other. What was causing the resistance? It was the fact that I thought that I, it was pride. It was the fact that I thought that I knew better than they did. What was best? It was also a spirit of independence that I can decide what I want to do. And what I really needed in my heart was a spirit of submission. It's not so much about the issue itself. It's about my response to the issue as an indicator of the condition of my heart. How am I responding in my heart? That is something that I need to honestly deal with. I need to honestly say, why am I resisting this thing? What's the condition of my heart? You know, this really came home to me thinking about uh, something that I heard about some time ago. And... um, it was about a man who had fallen into sin, and his church leaders were trying to help him to work through that. He had confessed his sin, and his church leaders were trying to help him work through that problem. And 
they ask him to do some things as corrective measures to, um, to help him to overcome this sin in his life, this, this area of bondage. And he didn't want to do it. It, it was some, they were asking him something that he did not want to do. And, and they said, well, you know, we're going to have to, we're going to have, this is going to affect your membership. If you're not willing to follow our directives, this is going to affect your membership. He said, you can't do that. He said, this specific thing is not spelled out in our church um, guidelines, and, and it is not a requirement, and so you cannot require me to do that. And yet he was in, in blatant, they were trying to help him, and he was in blatant disregard of Hebrews thirteen seventeen. I think we need to consider our hearts. Maybe it's not directly related to the truth, but what's happening in our hearts? That's what I'm calling you to evaluate this morning. What was the big deal to me about long sleeves? That day, a non-issue became an issue because I had a heart issue. It was really a non-issue in the act itself, the thing that I needed to do. But in my heart, there was a problem. And God brought that to light in my life. Do you have a soft, receptive, humble heart that's willing to be taught to be taught not only by God, but by those around you who are also studying the Word of God. You see, ever since Acts 15, the kingdom church has understood that the practical outworking of church life is established under the collective understanding of the body, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, not by the individual. And we need to honestly ask ourselves if, if we're coming up against um, our authorities, we need to, to honestly ask ourselves, why am I resisting this? What is the foundation for which I'm resisting this? And we need to be honest with our hearts about that. I've spent a lot of time on that one. Better move on. The next seed is the seed that fell on stony ground, or the next area of soil. It's in Luke 8, verse 6. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And then Jesus explains it in verse 13. They on the rock are they, which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. So here we have a soil that was shallow. There was soil on top of rock. And we all know what happens when you plant a seed where the rocks are near the surface. That plant usually will not mature if it lives. Because if you don't get sufficient moisture to keep that plant alive and active or growing, it will die. And Jesus said that it was when temptation came, adversity came, that it fell away, that it died. How about our hearts? What can cause us to have a shallow heart? I'd like for us to consider that a shallow heart is a result of a lack of commitment. It's a lack of understanding of the commitment required for salvation. 
Has your heart been thoroughly broken before God? Has it been thoroughly broken up, softened before God? Not just the surface, not just that part that was hard-packed we talked about, but underneath the surface, has it been completely broken down and softened up and ready for the seed so that the Word of God can go deep into you, the deep things of God can, can grow deep within you and provide nourishment for those times of temptation. You see, our struggle with sin is an indicator of the depth of the commitment of our heart. The deeper our commitment, the less our struggle with sin. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. As, we, as that connection with the truth deepens, we are, are made free from sin. And I'd just like to challenge you this morning that as churches and as individuals, if we're struggling with sin, I think we need to go back and look not at what caused the sin or what tempted us to sin, but we need to look at our understanding of salvation and the commitment that Jesus calls believers to, to be his disciples. Because Jesus's, the call that Jesus made to our commitment was not a surface commitment. It was a full life commitment. It was an everything commitment. Do we have a biblical view of salvation? The seed among thorns. In verse 7. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And then in verse 14, Jesus says, And that which fell among thorns are they, which when they have heard, go forth, and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. You know, this is very clear. This is very easy to understand. The cares, the riches, the pleasures of this life. And I believe as Christians in America, we face all three of those things in a very, very real way. And notice what Jesus said at the end of the verse, and bring no fruit to perfection. You see, there's a plant there, but there is no fruit. And what do people see when they look at you? Do they see a weed patch? Or do they see the Word of God being lived out? What do they see when they look at our churches? The cares of this life. Are you too busy or too occupied with the things of this world to fulfill the teachings and commandments of the kingdom of God? Are cares choking out what God would have you to do? The cares of this life. The riches. Are your possessions in an open hand before God where He can take them as He took them from Job? And Job said, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Or are your possessions and your pursuit of those possessions Shutting down what you could be doing for the kingdom. What are you doing with those things when you have them? Are you using them for the kingdom? Or are you using them for yourself? Is your business or your investments taking away from God what is rightly, rightfully His? The pleasures of this life. Is the fulfillment of pleasure driving your life? Can you hardly wait for the next fun event, the next fun thing? 
And within that, do the principles of God's word get in the way of that fun? Again, these things are things that we honestly have to evaluate in each of our own lives. We can't make a rule book big enough. We can't make enough laws. We can't make enough structure to keep us from sinning. It cannot be done to keep you from sinning. We need to honestly evaluate our hearts before God. The seed on good ground, Luke 8, 8, the first part of the verse, and some fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit and hundredfold. And then in verse 15, but that on good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. An honest heart is one that faces up with the reality of where it is. We have to face up with the reality of where we are. It doesn't hide from the truth or doesn't excuse the truth. Rather, it embraces the truth in relation to its condition and accepts the plan that God has set forth to remedy the malady of our hearts, the true condition of our hearts. A good heart is a heart that is open to being changed by the truth. It's been tilled deep and broken up. The deep things of God can root down Its softness holds the living water that is able to nourish that plant. That it can bring forth abundantly, a hundredfold. And then the end of verse 8, And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. I'd like to remind you of those verses. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. He that is of... God, heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. If we would hear the voice of God, we need to have an honest and good heart, brothers and sisters. I'd like to share with you something uh, written by Sean Martin for Christian Aid's website. Here's what it says. In the end, truth will triumph. Men will continue down their bent to do evil, and the excuses will fly thick and fast. The urge to reinvent and redefine God's terms will continue to appear in a thousand voices. But someday we will find ourselves under the gaze of God and the truth he has planted deep within us will be obvious. There all the redefinitions will melt and we'll be left with the knowing we did not want to know. Faced with a plan we did not want to follow and overwhelmed with the love we insisted was too restrictive. We will be left speechless as our works are reviewed. It could be most terrible or most glorious. That depends on our choices now. It will be too late then. I mean to face up with my responsibilities to learn God's terms before it's too late. Will you do the same? Will you be honest with your heart? In the end, truth will triumph. Do you know the truth? You see, if you don't know the truth on that day, 
the truth will not know you. And you will hear the words of truth, I never knew you. That's how serious it is. The heart of Christianity is not rules and guidelines that we just order our lives in a certain way. And when we come to the end of the life, God says, that's good enough, I guess. Because you failed a few times, but uh, I'll let you by anyway. That's not what Christianity is about. Christianity, at its very heart, is an intimate knowing of the truth. Embodied and personified in the person of Jesus Christ. John 17.3, Jesus says, And this is life eternal. That they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And in 2 Peter 1.3, it says, As according to his, his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How do we receive those all things that pertain to life and God, godliness? Through the knowledge of him who hath called us to glory and virtue. It's through knowing Jesus. And do we know Jesus in our hearts? We need to be honest with ourselves about that. These promises rest on the honesty of my heart before God this morning. Do we find ourselves in a place of resisting the truth? Do we find ourselves in a place that's not deeply committed to the truth? Do we find ourselves in a place that we are choking out the truth in our lives? Or are we, from an honest and good heart, bringing forth fruit, reproducing the word of God a hundredfold? If not... Would you get real with God this morning? God bless you.